Happy Tuesday. Unfortunately, we are at peak COVID in America, which means it is uncontained, which means we have to talk about it on Adam versus the Man, which is purely a parody show, obviously. So you can't censor it because nothing that we're saying could possibly be misconstrued by a reasonable adult as misleading medical advice. Speaking of medical advice, I don't know if you noticed, I'm getting over like a, a weird sinus infection. It's a sinus infection. It wasn't ever really even a cold, uh, but I have this like sinus pressure and I've had this uh, congestion and, it, and it's still, you can hear it in my voice, but I, I hope today it sounds more sexy than nasally. I don't know. See, can I pull that off? If I, speak, if I speak, if I speak gently, softly, soothingly to ease the transition to a slow death by boot on the neck. Uh, at least we can all have a more pleasant day. Now, um, we are actually, we are going to slow things down a little bit today because we have um, a, a unique headline and concept that we're going to be basing this show around. And this is one of the things I love about stepping back that we're, we're able to do with this longer format podcast. It's not just that I can rant about my hair and the condition of my sinuses and the fact that just fucking government, it's really hard to, I'm holding it upside down. This is a Walmart brand. I'm promoting Equate uh, because it's the Walmart brand because you shouldn't pay for advertised brands. Uh, but no, Walmart carries the good decongestant still, but it's behind the counter at the pharmacy pseudoephedrine and, and in, in the bullshit fight against meth they decided that this because it, it can be turned into meth they have to limit how they sell it in this form like have they not seen breaking bad they're getting pseudo and vats now what the fuck why are you messing with my decongestant still no i've dealt with this like my entire life because um because of allergies and uh until my last immunotherapy course actually I would regularly have allergy episodes where I would be like dependent on this to breathe. And this would be the only thing that would help. And they tried to, to, to substitute phenylephrine, which fucking doesn't work for me. It gives me a headache. That's it. It doesn't. And, and dries me out. It doesn't give me any congestion relief. And so this is the good stuff. The pseudo ephedrine, the pseudo that they used to make meth, right? And see, when I go to Walmart, I can only buy one of these. And they're per, not they're not expensive. Per like 30-day roll, they get your ID and well, everything. Well, oh, is it per month? Yeah, it's per month or per yeah. there, and maybe it's 90 days. Well, because I don't have a driver's license. This time I had to use my military it's actually a VA ID, which is like the flimsiest form of government-issued photo ID, but it is a government-issued photo ID. And it's like I'm a veteran. You're not going to take my veteran ID because my driver because I don't have a driver's license. Really? Oh, let's dance. So, but th they were like the, the pharmacist at Walmart was really chill, and she had to call her supervisor and get help. And I'm I'm not joking. It took like 20 minutes. You were waiting. It took 20 minutes. 
standing at the, at the counter telling dumb jokes. I smoked like three whole bowls waiting for <laughs> you, so man. This, this is my, my favorite dumb joke about this, though. And I got this from some comedian years ago. I don't remember, but now it's like, it's my it's my meth pseudo joke. So anytime I'm 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 buying pseudo like this, I'm like, hey, you know. And I'm, so I'm talking to the pharmacist at Safeway or Walmart or Walgreens or some shit like that, and I'm saying, hey, like while I'm waiting for them and they're filling out all their, their forms and stuff with my D. So when I go to my meth dealer, and right away they're like, oh. <laughs> So when I go to my meth dealer, he never checks my ID and he never limits the quantity of meth I can buy. So if you can help me out here, more than just like sell me a 10 day supply of this stuff, it wouldn't last me a month anyway. Can you help me out? Because I've been all over the internet trying to find a recipe to turn meth back into pseudo and it doesn't exist. It's not out there. I can't do it. So anyway, that's that's my dumb dad. That's my favorite dumb dad joke. <laughs> I ran into this and I know this. I know the thirty day thing because my whole whole family was sick at home. Four different people. I started the the cold, brought it home to everybody else. Yeah. And but but as I'm healthy and being a caregiver, I've got to go back for more meds for the family, and I couldn't get them. So it's like get your sick family members off the couch with their ID to come in, and like that's what I was faced with not being able to get medicine for. More and, than to and, care for myself. And these the really the are like the simplistic unintended consequences of of government policy in the drug war. I don't mean to suggest that this specific policy is like critical to the pharmaceutical racket or the drug war racket. Like it's not. It's not. It's not at all. Um, it might have been at some point when they were really actually going to pharmacies and and buying ingredients for meth there but even then it was such small quantity and to the, the the natural market check on this would have been security at the drug stores and the drug stores going wow our inventory is getting depleted i wonder who's buying it let's start keeping track and meet it out in a reasonable way not based on the law but based on like hey we're not going to sell you a shopping cart full of toilet paper or paper towels, you know, because because COVID, right? Like you didn't have to pass a law for that shit, right? You and and now twenty extra and, and me and this was six dollars. It's well, not expensive. Like we sh we should what we should do is go to Mexico and like stock up. We will do that. Something like that. Anyway, um, do we have anything else to bitch about? Uh, Verizon. Fuck, Fuck Verizon. Verizon. Uh, that's why we're late today. Thanks for bearing with us. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Sticking with us late uh, on our show. And of course, we have a, a, a great guest today. Amy Gardner, my old friend, uh, joins us to talk uh, about some of her education projects she's working on right now. And uh, the headline that we're going to focus on, we got Steve Remus, of course, in the co-host chair. TheHill.com, this is uh, another old friend of mine with a, with a really great story, uh, great article that made it to Drudge Report. With an, and, this, in a, and she's a libertarian, uh, at least, legit, if there's most people who, you, who describe themselves as 
libertarian-leaning conservatives are full of shit. Uh, it's a veneer of cool libertarianism, to, you know. So, so the kids don't think they're one of those old-school stuffy-type conservatives, whatever. Uh, Kristen Tate, general, genuinely, um, I and I don't know where she is right now. Uh, maybe we should get her on as a guest, uh, just as a follow-up to today's show and covering this story that she wrote uh, or this this opinion piece. Um, see, we should give her the litmus test. No, but she's she's definitely genuinely libertarian and that she wrote this for the hill it got published at the hill.com is really saying something and then that it got picked up by the drudge report so congratulations to kristen tate for getting the story out for having the success raising these important issues the headline is coming soon america's own social credit system but with that uh, let's go to Jim for the producer notes. What's going on? Hope you're enjoying the show, everybody. That's a that was a decent teaser right there for the show because that's crazy. Uh, everybody knows China and their credit system. Oh, that's over there. That'll never happen to us. Blah blah blah. Okay, let's let's knock some promos out. Adam versus the man has a public telegram channel. T.me forward slash Adam versus the man. You can see the link that we just teased out to you and all the other links that we're going to cover for the show. So definitely get involved doing it that way. Uh, if you want to support the show financially, we do have a Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man. We have one, five, 10, even a $50 a month package. $10 a month is going to get you access to the private producers club, which is an awesome tele private telegram group that you must have an invite link to. Uh, you can get in by winning a contest or paying 10 bucks a month on Patreon. Instagram, at the Garden of Freedom is the handle, so you can see all the cool pictures and videos. This is the newest picture of the beautiful cat up there. Uh, Instagram has, at the Garden of Freedom is the handle that you search for if you want to see everything involved with life up there in Gardenia and watch all the fur babies up there grow up. It's awesome time. Uh, next, we're going to homefrontbattlebuddies.com, the veterans nonprofit organization where all of your uh, donations are theft deductible. So definitely check out homefrontbattlebuddies.com. Uh, the crypto6.com has the information about the Bitcoin church that was raided up in Keene, New Hampshire. I'm sure you've heard about it. If you haven't, this is where you can learn more. Uh, you can also donate different cryptocurrencies through these QR codes or write to Mr. Nobody who's still sitting in a cage as far as I know. Uh, through this top link right here. So definitely do that via the crypto6.com. Lastly, gogreenenergyonline.com. We send people to Mr. Nygaard's website here to learn more and self-educate themselves about solar panels, micro wind panels, zero energy homes. If you're looking to do it yourself, getting off grid, educate yourself at gogreenenergyonline.com. That's all I got. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you very much, everybody. All right. Let's get Steve up here. Good morning, co-host Steve. How's it going? Whew. I'm still like settling being home after being away for two weeks and then in LA for the weekend. And it's like, man, I, I'm, 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 I'm soaking up the gardenia. I'm soaking up the time with the fur babies and the sun. And it's so beautiful and green. We've had an epic monsoon season. And I know it's all 
mostly Russian thistle. But it looks like we have grass like everywhere. It's really beautiful. Yeah, my and, uh, there's a lot of flowers blooming. Actually, there, we have these amazing pearl. I really this is what I should do for the Gardenia Instagram account is actually you know start start using this. I don't know. I so Verizon. I'm thinking uh, the way I'm gonna do this is I'm gonna just I'm just gonna switch everything to T-Mobile and stop paying Verizon. You know, yeah. someone said it doesn't even go on your credit score. Not, I mean, for me, it would be worth it to to screw Verizon at this point or TCC for all the bullshit that they've put me through with with this phone and all the time of mine they've wasted. Uh, but now, like here in Gardenia, I can't even get reliable Verizon service. And it's not, I don't think it's this phone. It might be the other one too, but uh, Starlink is coming. And I hate to keep saying like we've been putting this off, but we are anticipating, you know, a significant production upgrade for Adam versus the man. We get Starlink out here and we start running the show off a laptop with HD webcams and a USB mic and, uh, and have me able to operate stuff backstage with StreamYard. So I'm really looking for that. That might be just a few weeks away. That's yeah. pretty exciting. No, that'd be sick. Like, I, I have T-Mobile, right? Uh, not the best service, but I've never had the problems you've had. And then my uh, my old roommate just switched to Verizon. They did the same thing to her that they did to you. <laughs> so, like... What, what do you yeah. mean? Which, like, which same thing? Yeah, they were like, oh, yeah, you can get this. You can get the home the home internet 5G, blah, blah, blah. It's only going to cost this much. They lied, oversold shit, you mean. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I was just like, well. So I, I brought this up. So one of the things that made my experience with Verizon uh, offensively worse is that uh, I complained about my experience with their affiliate, Verizon TCC, on Twitter and they contacted me and they asked me to sign on to their like special backstage area for the, yeah. uh, to talk to their, their elite customer care service people. And I, I had this maddening back and forth with them, connecting, logging in, waiting, re-logging in. Oh, tell us about this. Tell us about this. Tell us about this. And then after days of that, Oh, well, we can't help you because that was TCC. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah. So oh. I, when I had Verizon, yeah, when I had a Verizon, I had a huge problem with, like, the, the TCC affiliate. And, you know, I ended up having to go to corporate Verizon. And then corporate Verizon, the store, got me in contact with, like, the regional manager for TCC or, like, the Tucson manager for TCC or something. And I was just like, this is a ridiculous process you guys have. Um, so it, it, this raises a larger question, and we're going to bring this to Twitter and, and skip ahead one story before we get to show, social credit. We'll talk social media and actually how this relates, because obviously all the censorship right now is related to this. But to bring it back to like the individual consumer decision, right? Because this is where it's like, this is where the rubber meets the road for you, for our audience. And this wouldn't be the, the show that I want it to be if we didn't really cover the sort of nuts and bolts practical of how to live by principle. And this is a really complicated issue. You know, and, and of course, we want to try to boil it down to first principles, to simple ethical ideas uh, or ideas about ethics as, as relate to this. 
And a lot of it's very subjective, conscious consumerism, right? Because we know that if you want to have a cell phone, you're going to pay taxes. You're right away, like you've compromised your ability. And this is a big one for me because I can say I own my land and I could do crypto through a shift card that, you know, converts my crypto to dollars at the point of sales and say, I'm off the dog. Like I own my land. You know, I don't need to pay anything else in dollars. It's not off a, uh, you know, a debit credit card like that. Um, yeah. I can get cash when I need us dollars and paper cash as a backup, but kind of minimize my liability there. Um, I, my only, I, I never have savings in dollar mechanisms. Um, you know, by that, I mean, I'm gonna, if I have money that I would consider savings for myself, it's going to be in physical assets, gold, silver, tools, land, property, yeah. et cetera. Um, but just by having crossed the line, and, and I really should get a little more organized and, and with crypto that way, but unfortunately, too much of my income from various sources is in U.S. dollars. And if I get, when I have the option to say, can you pay me in crypto, I'll take it. But those are few and far between, even for me. Well, yeah, um, that's, that, that brings yeah. up a really good point, right? So so I'm obviously a candidate, right? So um, there's, there's a misunderstanding by someone when I said, look, I, I'm, I'm the only candidate that supports like decentralized currency because the government can't regulate it, right? It's a... It's a libertarian thing. It is a libertarian-esque currency. And then they're like, well, you don't message directly to crypto people. I'm like, voting base of crypto holders, this big, right? Yeah. If I'm trying to change the system through the voting system, right? Like, my, my stance is I support decentralized currency, mostly Bitcoin, because it's the only one that's truly decentralized. And everyone's like, well, if you're not going to, you know, message directly to, to us. Yeah. So let me suggest a different model here. And this is yeah. my hope for the crypto community that they come to see libertarian candidates or really any candidates. And I would say there's a slight chance it could be a legit Republican or Democrat that meets the standard or the strategy I'm about to describe or an independent or a green, but a candidate who at least like the way that I did with the presidential campaign said, you know, we have it incorporated in the platform. We take it and it's a fundamental element of our messaging. Yeah. You know, for the crypto community to sponsor candidates are doing at least that, if not even more so. Uh, and and if I would have been willing with the presidential campaign to be a mouthpiece for the crypto community because I legitimately believe in it. And if they said, Adam, you know, we're going to give you a million dollars more for your campaign. If you just put, I take Bitcoin like front and center on your yeah. website, you're like, fuck yeah, let's do that. And if you mention it in every speech and if it's, you know, here, here, here on your website, I'd be like, yeah, if, cause that means the core of my message because you know, Bitcoin and crypto is, is secondary to what motivates me which is justice and voluntarism and what makes me that ideologue libertarian, right? And it, it, I'm never going to be inherently a crypto evangelist first. I will be an evangelist of it, as I have been, as the means to the end of a 
achieving a voluntary society, right? And, yeah. and, and an immediate means to ending the injustices of the Federal Reserve System and, and the military industrial complex and everything that flows from that source of, of corporatist evil. So um, it's, but when we, what, what I wanna get to for the practical part is who should you have as a cell phone carrier? You know, and my compromise so far has been, well, Verizon has the best network. It has financing on top of the line phones. I need that for my work. Yeah. I'm going to pay that. And it sucks. And it's been expensive. Like, like and, every, every, everyone's all about decentralizing everything, right? Like decentralizing ourselves from corporate overlords and all that stuff. Decentralize my cell phone network. Like that's well, come on, that's man. Mesh nets, right. That's not here yet. Right. Yeah. That's like, so uh, a friend of mine who I know from way back at the Jefferson dance party. Um, oh my God. His name is like on the tip of my tongue. He's doing the freedom phone. He's in my telegram. I'm going to look it up. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to screw up his name. It's, it's a simple name. It's going to kill me, but I'm not getting this right. You got it. Um, Give me a minute. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. I'm scrolling. Eric Finman. There. See, it's an obvious name. Eric with a K. Eric Finman. Eric Finman. Um, Freedom Phone. And he's he's working on a concept that would that would change this, and and be possibly a bridge to what I see. It, it, he's more focused on security, privacy, etc. We should get him on as a guest soon. But. Um, that even the te the power of this phone, and I don't know if they've engineered it in such a way that it can't be used as a mesh net device, but they at some point, I think they're realizing that they're making the phones so capable that they're going to shoot themselves in the foot, that we are not going to need their network. For me, if I had Starlink at home here, I would have a, an internet-based phone that would be tethered to my Starlink and would only be usable in a range of other people's, you know, Wi-Fi. And I would have a cheap burner phone as a backup for traveling and, and maybe a hotspot so that I could yeah. use my smart smartphone while traveling from the hotspot. Right. And it would just be a slower connection than my Starlink at home. If I'm not in range of something else that that's, that's that good. That's the corner that we're turning right now is Starlink better devices, better internet everywhere. And a lot of people are going to say, fuck Verizon, fuck all the major carriers. Um, and, and that's really exciting. But for me, it's just, I think I've made the moral compromise of using the dollar and, uh, and using mainstream, a mainstream cell phone carrier. Well, but yeah, like at least, what I'm going to do right now is stick it to Verizon and TCC with my individual case and the money that I owe them for financing and say, fuck it. Um, if this phone is working on another network, I mean, I would, I, I hope I can bring my cell phone number with me because I've had it for a long time and a lot of people have it. Do I want to have it? Um, but I don't know. I don't know. Maybe a new number would be good and I'll ping everybody again. Yeah, I mean, that's what I did, right? So when I left Verizon, right, I had had my number from when I lived in Texas for like 13 years, 14 years. Yeah. And I was just like, you know, I was like, let me let me just get a new phone number. <laughs> and and I did, right? And, I, you know, maybe I texted like six people my new number. And I was like, here, 
this is so-and-so and that was it and now like as a candidate a whole bunch of people have my number again and whatever <laughs> i didn't learn the first time so <laughs> now i'm like um but you know when, when we when we get into all this decentral like all this decentralization talk and like removing ourselves from these these big things like you know everyone my my biggest the biggest hypocritical thing that i that i deal with or that i've dealt with lately is you know some people are like get on TikTok, and then people go china china owns it and i'm like i'm like iphone iphone doesn't matter doesn't matter this can was probably made in china okay like come on guys like i like watching funny videos screw off all right you know yeah. I watch funny videos on whatever i want to watch them on <laughs> so like, okay what is oh jim wants to weigh in you gonna read that steve uh, that's a good point. Uh, I mean, no, you have to. This is a podcast, Steve. You have to read the comments out loud. No, I wish I wish Starlink meant we could have a hotspot device that just gives us solid internet no matter where we go. You know, there is a provider called Nomad Internet that I've looked into once or twice. It's ungodly expensive, but if you were yes. time living in an yeah. RV or a van, it'd be totally worth it. And it, it's yeah. the technology's there. So but we're it just oh, yeah. Good. So we're. It's it's a matter of time, money, and and market forces being brought to bear, uh, despite the corporatist resistance. There's got to be all sorts of crazy shit. The existing mobile carriers, especially Verizon, AT and T, are doing behind the scenes to stop this shift. But yeah, if you had a, a satellite internet mobile hotspot that was global, they all go out of business. Every well, yeah. every single one of them. It's like, like within five satellite years. phone, right? Like, it's like carriers. Yeah, you would just eventually have a satellite phone. Yeah, that's what it would be, right? But even right away, a mobile hotspot with Starlink it would be satellite internet anywhere you yeah. went. If it gave me an internet connection to do video up and down, I would I would kill my cell service at that point. That's yeah. yeah. Some vert like, and I don't mean. So it'd be very nice in, in this if I was intellectually arrogant and just wanted to throw out a bunch of predictions to like pick one of these possibilities and say, this is what's going to happen. Um, but I, I think we can safely predict that there are going to be major fundamental evol evolutionary shifts in mainstream communications around cell phones and internet in the next few years with the basic facts of Starlink with the the power of these devices now um it's it's pretty incredible and it is going it, i i'm hoping that the, it represents also or it comes with uh, a major shift in freedom of speech for the internet because uh, we might not get to mesh nets but blockchain is going to be a lot more capable in this scenario so remember I told you we were going to convince you to get off Twitter? <laughs> Somebody help me. I don't know what I did, but everybody's arguing with me today. It's because I'm- Somebody I'm, help you? Is it, what is if it because it's I'm one, a libertarian? It's, it's <laughs> I need an adult, Adam. <laughs> pimply-faced NSA agent in a dark room uh, in a cubicle at, what's the thing in Maryland? The uh, NSA, Fort Meade or Fort Andrews. Fort Meade. Oh, it's Fort Meade. Fort yeah, it's Meade. Fort Meade. Yeah, it's some pimply-faced NSA Air Force cadet in a, in a cubicle at Fort Meade 
running a bunch of sock puppets on you going, I'm going to ruin this guy's day. Tonight. No, this is, this is the worst part is, is I've met these people in person and they know I'm <laughs> consistent and honest and they're butthurt because I won't, <laughs> I won't say the exact, their exact belief. Right. They're like, which is, which which is the so I'm like, Hey, so on crypto, right. My platform oh. is my plat. My platform is support like the deregulation of, of, of currency through things like Bitcoin or crypto. Right. And they're like, well, you need to target directly to Bitcoin. And I'm like, these same people have told me they won't even vote or donate to a campaign. Yeah. So, really, how much so maybe they're just, so there's, there's a weird, even if they're legit. So th this is the like anarchist versus libertarian and it's bullshit. Cause it's not anarchism versus libertarianism. It's a few angry anarchists who want to troll the anarchist political effort known as the Libertarian Party. And it's like, because <laughs> we're not perfect enough on their, because we're not doing exactly the way they would. That I, this is an organic phenomenon. I will, I will give you that. This is, this is not just uh, a, a troll farm shit. Um, but I think a lot of it is based on troll farm shit. Why do those people hold those beliefs? You know, why, what, what has colored their worldview? How much time have they spent on Facebook? I've noticed a lot of those people are Facebook anarchists. And I think spending time on Facebook gives you a distorted view of the world and human nature. And it, you have to separate yourself psychologically from that one. I'm not saying- I was gonna like, say, you unless you have Facebook, the ability to separate- You're conscientious, it, like but, but even then, you have to, well, no, it's if you go to work and you're spamming for your business eight hours a day on Facebook and answering sales things and maintaining a page and you're purely doing that, that's fine. That's different. But if you're in, but you're touching that whole polluted system, you know, you're right next to it and it does seep over. But if you're on your feed, if you're posting about your day, if you're discussing politics, if you're sharing memes and news stories, you are looking at a very fucked up, distorted conversation yeah. that is controlled, <laughs> manipulated, infiltrated, and designed to give you a false view of reality. Yeah. It's a hard yeah. thing for most of them to admit. And so then they look at you and go, oh, no, we want our perfect white knight. If it's not perfect, we can't support you. And I think a lot of trolls infiltrate and amplify that effort to take people down and distract people like you who are doing good work. I would tell those people, hey, I have donors and voters to talk to. You are neither. Fuck off. You know, <laughs> and you have to do it politely. So, so I, I did that in the, I did that in the nicest way possible, right? I did that in the nicest way possible, right? I was like, I was like, if you tell me up front that you're not going to donate your time or money to use the system that I'm trying to use to, like, go play your game somewhere else. Yeah, right, like, yeah, like you have, you have your game. I have my game. Let me play my game. I'm enjoying it. I'm pulling yeah. in your direction. Fuck off. Yeah. And then, you know, if, if I magically uh, do things and your life gets improved because I was successful, um, I'm going to come back. I'm going to, I'm going to do the <laughs> circle back. Okay. I'm going to circle back and I'm going to rub it in your fucking face. All right. Because I am, I am that petty, right? I will go that low. I will go back like two years. I'll go back and I'll be like, Hey, remember when you said this thing? No, you don't. Uh, but I was successful. So eat it. Right. But yeah. and then the uh, other thing is the other thing is Corona science, right? So that's that argument yeah. will go on for the rest of my life probably because science. Oh. Okay, so 
You know, so Steve, you know how the Associated Press and Reuters always oh, yeah. tell the truth and never sure. get it wrong, Absolutely. and especially when they're parroting what the government is saying and covering government press conferences, they should never be questioned at all. Well, yeah. it's really great to see now that Twitter is helping them out. So, so this is the disturbing headline about Twitter. Jim, one ahead in the stack. Twitter partners with AP Reuters to battle misinformation on its website. The fundamental premise of this, and that, that they that they they sweep under the rug or they kind of conveniently brush past, is that we are now the arbiters of truth, and misinformation is what we can call anything. It's not truth, and we decide if it's misinformation or not. Oh, but and that premise is so fucked up, just on its face. As yep. soon as you examine it, you go, uh oh. It gets even more fucked. It gets even more fucked up if you follow the money, and you know that Twitter and all these other big tech companies have, you know, gotten money from the government, which makes them an extension of the state. And we already know the media also gets money from the government. So now the state is even extending more control over. Yes. So I I keep referencing this story from a couple of weeks ago that showed over half of American for and I'm actually being conservative and. In, in, simplifying this over half um big pharma stock and multi and mainstream media stock is owned by two holding companies blackrock and vanguard and if there is a central conspiracy to covid that's it like right i don't think it really is i think they're, they're like there's a chinese version there are international versions etc cetera, etc cetera. but if if there is if there are central points in the COVID racket, it's places like that. It's these these major corporate conglomerates where they have cross interests in media, social media, and big pharma and government. And then you go, well, look at oh, but they're turning to independent fact checkers. Who sponsors the fact checkers? Oh, it's 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 one other tentacle of this machine. It's it's the it's big pharma that that Thomas Massey. And as, as a Republican, I, I, I will say if there's such a thing as a libertarian-leaning conservative, he absolutely is a legitimate manifestation of libertarian principles. Oh, yeah. I, would, I would dare say more than Rand Paul. I'm more happy to – if you said, Adam, you got to give $100 to a Republican, uh, you know, Thomas Massey or Rand Paul, I'd go with Thomas Massey at this point. And what yeah. he's and, – and Rand Paul, to his credit, is also doing a great job. Um, this isn't a, a, a slam on him. Um, he's a, been doing a great job uh, challenging Fauci in Senate hearings. Oh. Now, has that led to anything meaningful? I don't know. But what Thomas Massey is pointing out directly, uh, just what I'm seeing him on Twitter even, uh, is is really critical as a counterpoint to the COVID narrative or the COVID mythology, I think we need to call it. And one of the things he's pointed out is that um, – the major fact checker that Facebook is using, excuse me, is primarily owned by a big pharma company. And you go, what the fuck? How are people falling for this shit? Um, Massey or Amash? Well, Amash is not a Republican and uh, he's no longer in Congress. Um, so so he was the congressman. If both of them were not in Congress and they were like, Massey or Amash, 
You know, that's a good question. I would, have good question. Amash, I would have to say Amash for having chosen to stand with ELP and 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 taking that ground to the not just to by party affiliation but by ideological affiliation because it is ingrained in the party statement of principles and the pledge the check i commit to you know the the, the one libertarian litmus test that you have to do when you sign the party is check the box i oppose the initiation of force to achieve yeah. political and social goals simple as which, that um, which goes into all that corona stuff where people are you know, people within our party that have agreed to that, you know, there are people who are like, well, I'm pro-science, and if the government mandates a vaccine, it's because of science. So but, let me read a little bit of this Twitter story, Steve, so we can get to the, the social credit score, because that's what this is all. Yeah. We're all stalling all this. We're going to talk to Amy Gardner in a few minutes about this and get into it, and we're going to come back to Steve, and I really want people to get into the comments when we talk about the social credit score story. But first, this one, Twitter, partners, with AP Reuters to battle misinformation on its site. Twitter Inc. will partner with the AP and Reuters to more quickly provide credible information on the social networking site as part of an effort to fight the spread of misinformation, said Monday. Like other social media companies, the San Francisco-based firm has been under pressure to remove misleading or false information on its site. Earlier this year, Twitter launched a pro And that's just, this is all cover language for censorship. It, it, it's it, none of this because there is there. I, I, I mean, a lot of this is semantic differentiation here, but there is a legitimate cause for censorship. Censor fraud. If someone is committing fraud, if someone is making an active threat to someone and 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 then even in those cases, censorship often makes it worse. Right. Because if I'm on Facebook and, so, and I went crazy, I. I guess that's redundant because I would have to be crazy if I went back on yeah. Facebook. But if I was on Facebook, Facebook makes you crazy. So if you're on Facebook, oh, you're already you at least a little Facebook. bit crazy. No, like me engaged, like on, I'm <laughs> yeah, whatever. There are pages. I don't care. Uh, but you no, know, if I was on Facebook and crazy and I, I decided I'm going to start harassing my neighbor on Facebook and I start threatening him and then Facebook steps in and says, oh, that was a threat we have to send to him. Well, now my neighbor doesn't see the threat. Say I tell my neighbor, I'm going to come shoot you at noon today. And then Facebook says that's a threat. And it pulls it off and tells law enforcement. But it doesn't tell my neighbor. Yeah. And I go that? shoot my and law enforcement. Doesn't Your neighbor could have just like gotten the fuck out of Dodge, right? <laughs> yeah. So even fun. then, censorship, or even if, if people are wrong. And this is where I, I want to sort of compromise and say, if you want to tag, if you feel the responsibility as a platform to say some information is so dangerous, you need to tag it or flag it and connect it to like, oh, here it links to COVID-19 resources that you can question separately on, on your own, right? But this is what we endorse as a platform. This is what we believe in. We feel strongly about this, um, you know, or to put a screen on content, say like many of our users have found this offensive because it's graphic or sexual or misleading whatever you put do you want to see it you can click through but the moment they start saying we're not going to address what we think is falsehood with truth we're going to address it with censorship they've crossed a whole other line and i think they cross that line the moment they say we can remove false or misleading information because that's saying we can decide what is false and misleading and you can't decide for yourself. And that's the point at which they have, it's not free speech. 
It's legitimate free exchange of ideas, free discourse, the ability of a conversation to discover the truth by considering conflicting ideas. They have removed that and said, now it's the authority's word. That is the gospel. Fuck questioning. And that's very dangerous. Uh, Rock Landstone, you need to discuss this stuff with people who have opposing views. I feel like we tried it. I've been trying to try. Also, one thing. We, need, we have an opening. We need a full-time guest booker. And hopefully Chris Gannon, who's been an awesome volunteer, might step up to that. But we always need more help. I want people I can debate. I want guests who, who will take opposing views. Um, but it, it takes some work and some time getting that done. Um, so we do need some help with that. I'm all for it. Uh, and we've had some great guests with that. Uh, I've baited a couple people to calling in from Twitter. But... Uh, we want we would absolutely love to make that more of a thing uh i think people are afraid to debate me having seen you know how i destroy people intellectually with love and compassion it's um often people would rather sit back and just watch me do that why do people get so much more upset when you're nice about it i don't i don't understand that phenomenon i never have like because they can they can't dismiss me so if you're arguing with people and you turn into an asshole they can dismiss you or even like oh oh, you're a long-haired hippie adam but if you're calm and rational and loving it makes them more angry and it, it makes you it wonder means, if they're even it, processed no 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 it means the anger so dismissive is if you're angry you give them an excuse they can be dismissive sure if they're angry it means that your idea got that much deeper in their head yeah the truth so, it's a, so it's a bet it's, it's a sign of progress they haven't accepted it they're still fighting it but you plan but to it's decide. better it's I better see. okay so Earlier this year, Twitter launched a program called Birdwatch, asking its users to help identify and fact-check misleading tweets. Twitter said it will collaborate with the newswires during breaking news events to add accurate context, which could appear in various places on Twitter, such as a label attached to tweets about the event or as a moment which curates information about trending topics on Twitter. So couple of related stories. Well, this is, this is we'll come back to this because now we got our guest coming up here. Let me, let me check with Jim if she's, uh, she's backstage. All right. So we'll get, we're going to get to Amy in just a minute here and tease a couple things out. Uh, but yeah, we have U.S. Air Force developing remote controlled bird like micro drones with flapping wings. Flies aren't real. You thought birds weren't real? Flies. Have you noticed how there's been more real. flies here yeah. since the end of my visit? They're all government drones. Um, yeah, yeah, it's possible. It's a thing they're, they're talking about openly, um, and what, we're going to get into this so you can see how capable this technology is. Because you know, whatever they're admitting that they have now, they've oh, got wow. at least five to ten years ahead of this. So we're going to come back to that. Um, as to where we are with COVID right now, let's get these ones out of the way. CNBC.com, CDC says seven-day average of daily U.S. COVID cases surpassed. Peak scene last summer. We are at peak COVID. Yay! Woo. That was two weeks to flatten the curve going for you. Um, just want to point that out. That's the headline today. It's like, got to get, got to let everybody know. Um, next one, though, dailymail.com. I told you, this is a cool I told you so from the beginning, where I said, because there is not a unified global conspiracy of conspiracies here. Uh, otherwise, there would be more uniform response among different governments. The patchwork is going to allow us to see the effects of different strategies. So Daily Mail has this headline, 
mask-free Sweden is close to zero daily COVID deaths as country's chief epidemiologist plays down fears over Delta variants infectiousness. Now, there are playing devil's advocate against this, you know, or playing denialist COVIDian against this. Uh, oh, well, that's just because people in Sweden are more white and this affects black people. Obviously, you haven't paid attention, Adam, and aren't sensitive enough to minority uh, and minority plights in America. And it's like, well, no, it's it's because of the economic disadvantages, not some genetic disadvantages. In fact, that's a very racist thing to suggest that does ignore the real plights of minorities if you're saying, uh, if, you, if you acknowledge the implication of that and saying that they are genetically inferior without science. You're just presuming that minorities are genetically inferior in terms of COVID resistance. That's not the case. You look at the uh, disparity in the United States, it's because of the socioeconomic disadvantages of minorities, which explains why black Americans are suffering more under COVID or, or from the virus itself, assuming that those exaggeration, exaggerations aren't also massive distortions of reality. But the Sweden case gives us this counterpoint where they'll go, well, uh, that's because they're, they're more hygienic or they did this or they did that. And I, I am afraid that the covid apologists for the mainstream, or I should, it's not even mainstream, but the official uh, authoritarian narrative of the COVID mythology will be able to come up with apologist excuses despite just evidence mounting over and over again. And it's going to be a slow grind. And this might be the measure of how long it takes us to get out of the, the COVIDocracy is that we have to sort of keep waking people up one at a time and sharing stories like this. Just share this on social media. This is a good one. If you have friends on Facebook who follow you who are COVIDians, just share the mainstream news stories that puncture the big narrative. Maybe that's the way. Maybe that kind of advocacy, change the culture sort of you know activism, keyboard warrior activism is still relevant. Uh, one last COVID headline. Uh, no, shit, there's two. We're going to come back to these. Did God you, damn, am I gonna you see what I just sent you? Breaking news: The Pentagon just got put on lockdown. Oh, jeez! For a shooting at the bus stop right out. Oh, for a shooting event. With multiple patients, they said they didn't say victims. They called them patients. What in the article? Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh my gosh! All right. Well, because we started late, we are getting to our guest early in the show. We will have more time for headlines and to get into all of this, including. Coming soon, America's Own Social Credit System uh, by Kristen Tate. We're going to bring it all back to that uh, by the end of the show. And with Twitter, though, I, again, I enjoy Twitter. I'm on Twitter every day. I try not to get carried away with it. I enjoy the self-expression, the, the record of my message and my thoughts and the stream of consciousness there and the fun with that. And I enjoy the interaction. But Odyssey might be the place for that now. If we have a, if I can download my entire Twitter history and and delete my account and say no, if you want to talk to me like that, I wouldn't delete it. Of course, I just leave it up because it's got a nice enough. Although my numbers there should be much higher if I hadn't been shadow banned for the last, you know, who knows how long, how many years. Uh, it's it's been at least like tenish years. I've, I've been shadow banned on on Twitter one way or another. Um, 
I don't like that. I want a real platform. I would rather have a tiny following and not have to deal with all of this anxiety and bullshit. And I think even for the average user, knowing that this kind of censorship is happening has got to be some weird source of, of, of angst well, yeah. driving down American mental health. I mean, how, how do we, like, when the masses are on these, these larger platforms, right, the, the easiest way to avoid it, and like I do most of the time is, you know, uh, on a campaign, like right now, I'll drive to Sholo or Flagstaff and talk to like four or five people. Like that's, you know, as a libertarian, that's the thing, that's the thing I get, right? Is, you know, four or five, maybe 10 people at the most will show up to an event. Um, but it's not like I can use Facebook or Twitter or anything like Republicans and Democrats can. Or, but, and this makes me wonder if libertarians or any kind of dissident, any kind of anti-authority activists in America, are you actually having an, a negative effect on your own work and effectiveness by engaging with Facebook and using it and assuming that in some ways it's giving you a fair shake at all? Yeah. Or would you be better off developing alternative mechanisms of reaching people, even reaching people on Facebook through flyering, billboards, lawn signs, getting around the digital blockade, so to speak. With yeah. that, let's not keep our guests waiting any longer. We're going to come back to all of this in 30 minutes after we talk to Amy Gardner. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest today is Amy Gardner. She's the founder of Nature of Education. And this is a homeschool, private school created on a hybrid of the Waldorf and Montessori styles of education, which to me is already like, yeah, fi yeah. finally, Amy is like stepping up her game combining entrepreneurship and libertarianism and her activism and what I know has been driving her for years. And I, I really do want to encourage this for a lot of reasons. And so I want people to not just geek out on what this represents for education. Because Amy, you know my audience, we're already all about this. They already see where this is going. You know, we, we already are, we have confidence in humanity evolving out of, of this horrific, statist educational paradigm right now. Um, so in addition to all of that, I, I want people to, to pay attention to Amy's story in, in the evolution and the, of the thoughtfulness of, of her uh, activism, which, you know, I would say conscientious entrepreneurship is a kind of activism. So um, amygardner.com, uh, gardener with an I, uh, but if you want to hook up with this project, Nature of Education, Telegram and Instagram, easy to find at Nature of Education. Amy, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. So I, I hope I didn't I didn't oversell any of that, did I? Uh, no. <laughs> Good. I um I was, well I you've known me. I'm I'm definitely um, a freedom, freedom focused and libertarian minded. And I had my first child at 20 and did not put him in public school. Um, so I did pay somebody else and put him in private school initially. And then this whole COVID thing happened. And I now have two children and then the COVID regulations. And again, my kids weren't in public school. But once the regulations and the rules and the amount of 
parental choice got more and more eroded, I wanted others to be able to have options. I was fortunate enough to be in a position to create a miniature schoolhouse. And I have Waldorf and Montessori background from my children being put in private school and taught those things. And I purchased a bunch of resources and built a miniature schoolhouse and offered the ability for people to exit the public school system. That's basically the easiest summary. Well, tell us a little bit about your, you know, what this means for you in terms of your activism. What you, cause I, cause we met, I think, what was it back in like 2017? At the event at, at, in Rhode Island? 2016 or 17. You came here two years, two years in a row. You came well, that's here. Right. I, was, and- I was there for Rhode Island for the for the book tour first, which could have been late 2014. It was the first time I think I did an event in Rhode Island. I don't think you were at that one, but maybe you were at the second one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you've done, you've done uh, a lot of stuff that people in my audience have done in terms of just activism, Libertarian Party stuff. Can you tell us a little bit about like the transition? Obviously, you had the personal experience with, with your son that's very compelling, but uh, how did that compel you to go from, I guess, sort of casual activism? I don't know if that's fair because you, you were pretty seriously involved in some things, but it was, it was relatively yeah. casual in, in the sense that it wasn't. And I, I, I say this very forgive me if I'm, if I sound like judgmental, I'm not. Um, but for a lot of people in my audience and, and myself, even at times, my activism has been sort of scattered and casual. And then a project will grab me or I'll see other people like, Oh, wow. Now I've got a vision. Now I've got either, either it's a campaign or a project or a book or a podcast or something like that. Or, Okay, now I'm going to get, I'm going to be focused. Does that make sense? Yep. So I actually did start with a huge focus. The Rhode Island mandated the HPV vaccine for seventh graders. And that pissed off a lot of people. And that is where I began. I harnessed the anger and the energy of a lot of parents and created a statewide campaign and stuck to that particular focus for about three years, that that was the hardcore targeted focus at the state house rallies, interviews. It was a very specific and it wasn't nationwide, but it was statewide across my whole state. And then via that and learning and researching through that, I learned the level of corruption within the pharmaceutical industry, within the government of my own state itself. The more I did, the more I learned. And I expanded my umbrella, I guess, of what I was fighting for, which went wider to medical freedom and health choice versus a specific thing for a specific purpose with reversing the HPV mandate. So I went from a very hyper-focused topic to generalizing it more under medical freedom and health choice as a whole, 
And then through that, I also ran for office in 2016 to be on the school committee for my district, um, hoping to make even further change within that, within the school system of my district. Because, again, this all comes down to the, using the schools as a stronghold and to try to enforce regulations via the schools. So I thought maybe I could make even further of a difference by being one of the voting heads on the board. And I won that race and I served four years on the school committee. And then um, COVID happened because my term ended December of 2020. So I've been off the board for less than a year. And with all the COVID regulations and quarantining and telling parents, you know, you basically get to wait to figure out where we quarantined your child. We'll call you back to tell you where and when you can pick them up. Hearing these stories from other states and knowing that it could easily happen in Rhode Island in the blink of an eye. And then masking requirements indoors in seven hours. And I said, no way. It's not happening with my children in a private school. I'm definitely not going to encourage other people to participate this in the public school. And I started the Schoolhouse Project and the homeschool co-op with kind of a hybrid of all possible ideas where basically if somebody's willing to come and chat ideas with me and figure out how we can work with their child with my resources then I will work with them and find a way okay. for you to exit the public school. So, Amy, let me interrupt with a sidebar, and then we'll come back and, and describe exactly nature of education and, you know, the project and the business and, and what the, the, the name and the branding means and your whole vision for it. But if you'd indulge me for, for a quick sidebar, because out of my own curiosity, but also, like, how it relates to your story and your motivation here, um, you're in Rhode Island. You've been in Rhode Island this whole time. It's really... For someone from Arizona in California originally, Rhode Island is like one big urban, suburban, sprawl, <laughs> just gross city pollution statism. Um, is that, I, I, I know I'm being, I, I'm, I'm being too nice to the state of Rhode Island here right now. Uh, and our, our friend Elijah is, is very proud of uh, Rhode Island's history as being one of the most American of the American colonies in the story of the American founding. But he's also happy to admit that it's fallen quite a ways since then. Um, yeah. I understand you have personal connections there, but what I want to ask is, uh, how has the Rhode Island COVID experience been? Not fun. Um, I personally have not participated in following any of the rules and regulations since it began and encouraging other people to stand up and not follow them either. But um, my personal experience was pretty severe. My daughter broke her collarbone. We couldn't get her regular physician to even see her without being willing to wear masks through the entire process. And I do have an actual written medical documentation not to wear a mask. Not that I would regardless, but I do actually have medical reasons that I cannot wear it. And I have a note from my doctor 
that I had to give to my employer so that I could show that I can't wear this all day. Um, so we had to go to basically a satellite clinic is what they call it. It's like a miniature hospital and have x-rays and have her evaluated there because her regular physician wouldn't even see her to figure out if she really did break her bones. And then sure enough, she did. And then the state of Rhode Island not being very big, there's only two pediatric surgeons that handle that particular thing. And they would not let me in the building without a mask, even though I have medical reasons that I can't wear it. And so she... Amy, I'm sorry. I got to interject on this because this is just... I've been... Like, I have uh, less documentation, but similar reasons. And for me, it's just I have allergies. I often have allergy mucus output if I'm wearing a mask for extended periods, unless I'm, like, outside doing yard work and all over. Um, oh, apparently the, uh, we're having an audio issue. Is it my audio? Yeah, you need to It's just my audio. Okay, Amy. Um, so... Uh, I'm glad that you're pressing that issue for the people who have a harder time, but it, I've been pressing it to hopefully make it easier for people like you. So when you show up with documentation, they don't go, oh, we've never heard this before. What's this? Oh, well, what's our own, what do our own rules say about this? I've never read them. So it, it's something that they're going like above and beyond as petty tyrants, not even following their own written rules. Excuse me, if you want to speak to that for a minute, I'm, Enjoy my audience without me. I'm going to try to refresh and see if I can address this technical issue. Okay, sure. Um, I personally was shocked, and I did try to educate employees with my particular situation because they were putting a strict mask rule above this child having a broken bone and the fact that there's only two locations in the state of Rhode Island that have the pediatric surgeon to address it. And I could go outside of Rhode Island, but then the medical insurance wouldn't be accepted and I would have to pay out of pocket for a surgery. So it was a really big situation. And we also had a similar situation where she needed a tooth pulled at the dentist and the same basic concept happened. And the only thing that was offered as a reprieve was for me to wait in my car in the parking lot while my daughter has either surgery on her mouth or whatever, surgery on her collarbone, basically for her to be at the whim under no co cognitive thought of her own while having surgery and being put under drugs and not have a parental advocate with her. That was the only option for her to get anything done and needless to say I did not feel that that was okay and I did not approve it so she did not get surgery and she did not get her um, infected tooth pulled because I wasn't willing to trust them enough to have my young child without me even in the building and so unfortunately with my personal experience with COVID in the state of Rhode Island my daughter hasn't been able to have proper things taken care of yeah no i and i 
apologize for the technical difficulty. Thank you for bearing with us. I was able to do a quick phone change and actually catch most of your answers. And I'm back on my my Verizon device, as long as Verizon has reasonable service. Uh, but no, I, I I caught most of the story there. And the idea, like we're gonna we're gonna open up her mouth and poke around in there, but you better be wearing a mask. You know, if you're part of her family unit, well, like just there's so much insane inconsistency and uh, your stories with your daughter are actually very mild compared to what a lot of people are dealing with. And, and I hope you appreciate that as frustrating as that has been and as a significant reduction of quality of life as that's been for you. And, and, and in a way, what Amy is doing in asserting her medical exemptions is, is an even more effective way of resisting the way that I've been doing it, just verbally saying, you know, saying, asserting it, saying, well, what's your process for medical exemptions and getting people to challenge the absolutism of mass dogma. But the reason I do it is to, to so that people who have autistic children don't feel like they have to be shut-ins whenever masks are a thing or people with anxiety issues or serious asthma who really can't, like for me, it's a minor aggravation where I go, hey, the risk of me getting sick from wearing a mask is more significant than the risk of me getting COVID or the risk of me giving you COVID. So according to my medical recommendations, I'm not going to wear a mask unless you demand that I do when I'm in your personal space, right? But for a lot of people, they don't even get that opportunity. And for a lot of people, it's they had to die alone because their relatives weren't allowed in the hospital. You're relatively young and healthy. Your daughter's relatively young and healthy. For elderly families or or for elderly individuals, I should say, who are facing like, oh, well, you can't get your, uh, and we cover this during the beginning of this this whole thing with, with hospitals. Well, we're, if it's, if you're, if your operation is non-emergency, we're just gonna delay it. Well, if it's managing a chronic condition, you delay that surgery a month, it becomes an emergency. And a lot of people exactly. have died in the last year and a half because of just fucked up, improper access to medical care that we have, that we've created. And there's a huge perversion of the medical industry where the trust is gone. And, and that's really sad. And, and, and that you, I, I want to applaud you for not giving in to that authoritarian pressure and saying, well, I don't have a choice. I guess I have to trust you. No, you don't have to trust them. And and you made some difficult choices to stand by that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I definitely have caught flack from people that know about it, too, that feel that I'm doing my daughter a disservice. But I'm who knows what can happen in that room when I'm not there. And as far as I'm concerned, that risk is way bigger than leaving the infected tooth in her mouth. Can I interrupt? As 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 a child, I had I had massive dental work done to correct some 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 issues, and I got sent into a dentist's office by myself one time. This dentist actually put his finger down my throat to try to stop me from struggling so much. I was a child, and I was freaking out, and his response was to try to gag me and scare me i slapped his hand out of the way and went running out to my mother never again did i go back again she handled that things happened back there so bravo to you for for not allowing that to happen anything could happen back there without you yeah no i don't, I don't want to get too sidetracked on this because i want to get back to the the work that amy is doing so amy if you could 
just from the ground up explain what is nature of education. Yeah. So nature of education is a play on words with multifaceted meanings. Um, we are literally in the middle of nature and in the middle of woods and integrate nature into the education that we do at the, the schoolhouse. In addition to it, the nature of education is creative learning and encouraged thought of children being inquisitive and curious. And that is so not what public school systems are and how they design their way to bring the information to the child. So nature of education is what I called it. And um, it was born, it was an idea I kind of had in the back of my head. And it became a let's do this right now decision because of the mask mandates, because I wanted people to not to have to do it. So I offer for children to be able to be dropped off with my schoolhouse for four and a half days a week. Or there's also the co-op option. So parents that homeschool and maybe like the resources that I have in the schoolhouse, um, they can do a membership and then they can come do some of their classes in the schoolhouse with their child using the resources. And then they can go home the rest of the week and do all the rest of their classes at home. And then I will periodically post on the website where I open to the public a themed day, whatever that day might be. I did a paint the pot, plant a seed. It was the most successful event. We did it on three different days. And literally we had terracotta pots and kids showed up. And the first thing they did as soon as they got there was paint their pot, however they wanted to paint it. And then the pot sat there and dried while everybody played, socialized, had a great time, as if COVID didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And then we went back, filled the little pots with soil. I had a selection of seeds for them to choose from if they wanted vegetables or flowers. They picked their seeds, they planted their seeds, and they got to go home with their own thing that they could watch grow and thrive. Um, and they all got to hang out and enjoy a fun day in the process and not be surrounded by a bunch of regulations and nobody wears masks. But Amy, but Amy, don't you know that if you don't send your kids to a government school where they have to socially distance and wear masks and get vaccinated and sit in isolation cubes, they're your kids are going to grow up to be weird and they're not going to know how to socialize. Now, this reminds me of a couple of things, a couple other, yeah, that's, that's a meme. Uh, but also uh, the one room schoolhouse model uh, has some major advantages. And I, I, and this is not born out of nostalgia or conservatism, but what you say about it being in the middle of nature, like if you're going to educate a child, do you want them to have a window where they can see greenery, where they can go outside and play and engage with nature and have some hands-on recess time at least? Or do you want them in a, a big school that's a compound that's surrounded by parking lots that looks like a fucking prison? You know, and and Potentially. I don't I don't want to say that this this inevitably is the future of education, but it is a huge leap forward just in that sense with that model. But I want to ask 
Uh, just quick, I'll stop your head. Do you know uh, how much the U.S. government spends on average per year per student? I know how much Rhode Island does. Um, and what's Rhode that Island delegates sixteen thousand dollars per child. Um, wow! So with the federal money, you must be well over the national average because the national average is closer to fifteen, I believe. But here's <laughs> there there was a, another meme the other day. Just just random thought, brilliantly composed. If the government spends fifteen thousand per student per year, if you took twenty students and had three hundred thousand dollars per year to spend on them, and gave one full time teacher a salary and ran a schoolhouse with that, and gave all the parents the flexibility to customize that experience and had had uh, that attention. To, to individual students, uh, uh, even a 20 to one ratio uh, as a full-time teacher with that flexibility, you could do it with half that. You could do it 10 to one. With You could do it, it might be a bare bones budget, but you could do it for $150,000 and have one teacher per 20 students. And that teacher could have a, a better salary, better resources than they do as a government school teacher right now. You're doing this without that funding. I assume when someone signs up for nature of education, the government doesn't go, oh, thank you for saving us $15,000. Here you go. Would you like to give it to Amy? Does that piss you off? <laughs> no, not really. Um, actually, I advocate a little differently than some people that homeschool. Some people that um, go to the state house annually for their, I guess they call it like a school choice rally. And a lot of people think that when you in your paper that you're going to homeschool that you should get some of that money back and that they should return it to you because you have paid this in taxes and now you're also paying part of your taxes towards the public school system and you're not utilizing it anymore. I actually do not support that idea because the government doesn't give you any money without some kind of rules attached and expectations attached to that money. So as far as I'm concerned, like, don't give it back to me because I'm not going to follow your rules and I don't want to follow your rules. And mm. so, like, absolutely not. Don't <laughs> don't even try to give me something that I have to follow rules for. The whole point of what I'm doing is to not follow the rules to begin with. Um, yeah. Well, hold on. So, let, me, let me let me interject something here, Amy, because the, if there was that option. If, if it was a widespread thing that parents could take their kids out of government schools and get some kind of credit that they could spend on uh, approved private schools, even if it was just that, I understand that's not what you want to do. You're making a leap to the next model where you don't have those strings attached and you have absolute freedom in your curriculum and how you deal with your students. But I would support, I just want to say, I'm not exclusively supporting Amy's model. If that opens up in a major way, I support other entrepreneurs starting schools that might be not as pure, but could be a major bridge and transition to a model more like this. I, I hope you appreciate that. Um, but back to you, oh, please. I just, um, yeah, I just don't, I don't like the strings attached. Yeah, no, and, and eventually we have to escape that. And I know you're, uh, you're, you're a taxation is theft kind of lady, right? Definitely. <laughs> so uh, one more thing here I, I want to point out that I think is worth uh, appreciating because I've, I've got your Instagram pulled up and it's uh, Instagram.com slash nature of education or at 
nature of education. If you want to pull this up on Instagram, Jim, if you can get that up while I'm rambling here, uh, there's, there's some really cool pictures here. And it's sort of like when I, this is, I, I understand compared to the competition, you are the scrappy underfunded startup. You don't have an advertising budget. You don't have a social media director. By the way, the Department of Education has all those things. Um, and what you have put together just with this relatively brief gallery on, on Instagram, I look at this and I go, yeah, that's, that's what I want my kids' education to look like. And, and I, I hope that I can do this, you know, myself with a homeschool community here in Ashfork, uh, Juniper Wood Ranch in Arizona. But if your kids don't learn how to grow plants as soon as they get the idea, uh, ideas behind it, uh, if they don't know how to raise chickens as soon as they're capable of safely handling a chick without crushing it by accident, you are miseducating your kids. And, and what Amy is doing here uh, really is a beautiful alternative. So, Amy, um, I, I want to know, uh, to, to wrap up first, you know, obviously, for the time being, you're, you're limited in, in what you can do with this. You're not trying to make this a national corporation, but you are trying to, to present a model that can be replicated. Mm -hmm. And uh, oh. so I want, I, right? Yes, so definitely. I, I, I hope more. I, I want to know. Aside from, I mean, you've only got a hundred followers on Instagram, and it's not because it's it's because this is not the goal. The goal of this is not to have a big social media following. The goal is to have a public presentation of what you're doing, and you're doing that in a beautiful way. So I don't want to say go follow Amy on Instagram and be part of the education revolution because, like, that's that's not really the be all end all. Um, but what can people do to support you and your model and, and your activism? What can people do to possibly replicate this in their own communities? What do you recommend people do to support the movement towards educational freedom in America? Um, well, the mini schoolhouse project is definitely, like you said, the one schoolroom of the multiple ages together. And specifically because it is directly tied to a form of homeschooling and the homeschool community, begin with, if you're not already homeschooling, learning the homeschooling in your area because we don't have a federal homeschool regulation. It is state by state. So different areas are going to have different ways that you can be successful at creating how you can do this. But I um, literally, it's like a 12 by 12, I think schoolhouse and then I have five outside desks too so we can do outside crafts and and things in each person have their own space um but for me and how you can help what I'm doing right now give.amygardener.com or going to that Instagram and just clicking the link on Instagram brings you to the website with a general idea of my vision and a donation link and helping me building the resources and building what I'm doing in Rhode Island. And if it actually does pick up and be big enough to grow, I've had people asking me if I would be willing to do this elsewhere. Um, I'd love to have the funding and capability to expand this and 
put one in Texas and put one in different places and and interview somebody to be the basically the director of that location and and do it and go with it that would be unbelievable but that's obviously in the future because right now I'm trying to have a solid foundation for what I'm creating right here also if somebody knows of a rent to own option in Rhode Island or a way that I can even expand mm-hmm. what I'm doing in Rhode Island and have a more permanent home for my idea. That would be awesome too. Awesome. Yeah. So, so maybe some, some business organizational or real estate development help might help uh, Amy get to the next level with her model right there. Amy, thank you so much for joining us. I'm very excited about this. It's sort of like, ah, yeah, it's about time. Someone was, really developing this model. Oh, it's my old friend, Amy. What do you know? Awesome. And I'm, I'm honored <laughs> to have you on today to see your work and to, to I, I'm, I'm going to take some credit here for, for, for being a part of the inspiration for this and encouragement and, and helping Amy get to this point. So I'm, I'm really uh, honored that you would take the time with us this morning to share what you're doing. Thank you so much for having me on. It was great. It was great talking to you again. Always. All right. Let's get Steve back. We got we're we're gonna we're gonna keep things chill. We're gonna keep things calm today. But we got to get back into the heavy shit. Steve, any any critical comments uh, I missed during the interview? No, 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 no. I think uh, I think we had there's some good back and forth between commenters on on the school system and what we feel educators should be educating. Like uh, one comment was, you know. Uh, everyone told me that life was sink or swim, but shouldn't educators be teaching me how to swim? No shit. Yeah, no shit, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right? Like, you know, and, and not a knock on people that want to become teachers, but w- come on, guys, we have to admit that we have not been preparing children for the real world uh, for decades now, right? Like, there's... It's, yeah, it's kind of like when I, so I, I have this, I, I, I was in a panel with um, uh, NFL Hall of Fame nominee Jimmy Smith when I was in Mississippi, and I said this off the top, I was like, I know this is a racist thought, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I know it's out of love, and, and it, it's in that context, um, and, it, and it's a hopeful positive thought, but I understand that it's racist and sort of classifying black or looking at black people monolithically. And I said, why, you know, basically, why aren't more black Americans libertarian? You've had the worst experience with government. How are you all sucked into supporting the Democrats? You know, uh, you know, why aren't you more? It's that you collective, why aren't you more libertarian? And obviously, um, that it's a racist thought for two, you know, for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, primarily it's racist because it's it's collectivizing black yeah. people and expecting more out of them as a whole. And that's that's wrong. Um, but it's it's also sort of unsympathetic to the plight of black Americans to say, why are you more libertarian? Well, if libertarianism trends towards, you know, upper middle class educated white dudes, well, th- that's gonna leave behind a lot of people who are black because there's no shit. Um, but uh, you wanted to read that? Yeah, stay gold. Yes, I agree with that fully. It has to do with the state-regulated curriculums and influences in the classroom, along with bad teachers that can create a foundation of failures for a lifetime. So uh, anyway, I put, I put this question. So let me, I'll bring it back to education because I had to put that sort of like racist expectation context out there. 
to say that I'm not just doing this to teachers. I do this, but now I'm doing. I'm going to do the same thing to teachers. I'm going to collectivize teachers and say, how the hell can you have such a shitty experience with government as government employees, seeing how government policy every fucking day restricts your ability to be a good teacher, to be not to be a good. I shouldn't say it. It limits your ability to be the best teacher you can be, clearly. And you want to tell me you're going to sit there and fucking go along with this system? You're not going to protest? You're not, why is there not a movement of teachers against government schools? Like, with the basic premise of we accept that we work in government institutions primarily. We are a group of teacher activists. We are against this we see yeah. that this government intervention in education has these negative effects. At very least, let's unite on these most dangerous ones, yeah. right? And, and let's help. Let's let's help restore education to what it could be, a la what Amy is doing, yeah. actually putting into practice a homeschool slash unschool slash one room schoolhouse model. Yeah, so well, you know all the protests you have. Like, you know, in Arizona, the, the major protests aren't, you know, well, Arizona has one of the worst education systems in the country. That's not what they're protesting. They're protesting that they want more money to continue doing the minimal well, effort. Right? Yeah. Like, no, man, that ain't it. You're not going to convince me. You're not going to convince me with that argument. <laughs> you know, like, you know, uh, we just based on based on the way our education system looks, you're not you're not convincing me that the curriculum as it stands or the state influence is producing edu educated children, right? So I want to, so bring it back to Twitter and social credit scores, right? So another group that I look at this way is doctors, especially right now. How the fuck are there not more doctors standing up to government intervention in the medical industry? How the fuck have so many, and, and then you know what? Then I realize, I go, wait a second. Adam, be humble. You have had the indulgence of self-education to answer these big questions. I've had a, I've had a government pension to rely on. I have not had to. I've I have I've. I mean, I get fifteen hundred dollars a month from the VA for being professionally crazy with PTSD, right? I I like I I enjoy that. I earned that passive income, you know. And I thought I did with YouTube and my archive there, but you know they fucked me out of that too. But most people don't have that yeah and they live in and, and and we think well why do they do this propaganda it doesn't work well it does work and it works on us in distorting our reality to the extent that we allow our reality to be tainted by mainstream media and social media corruption of conversation and so we have to in order to connect with the world we have to make the choice do we want to be ascetic monks sitting on a mountaintop disconnected or do we want to be con connected and accept that connection comes with pollution and distortion and that makes me empathetic to teachers who don't have the same indulgence as much as they're educators and they're very smart you know they're very capable very compassionate capable of of relating to uneducated young people that's an incredible testimony to the to the virtue of what it means to be a well-intentioned teacher so being sympathetic i think well even when they go, let me find a different conversation, they go, well, I, my, my school administrators are, are being squirrely. Maybe I should find out if that's normal, if there's something. And, and they get gently pushed away from that. 
They yeah. get gently guided away from standing up to the evils that are in their faces that we as outsiders see as obvious and go, how do you not stand up to this? And that gets us back to the censorship. Are we making all of that possible by engaging on Twitter, by engaging on Facebook, by engaging on YouTube, even by engaging at all when there's a viable alternative? Are we perhaps reinforcing the system's ability to create false realities and gently, gently push people away from activism? Would it, would it control? And then if activism crops up, then COINTELPRO is enough to, you know, stamp down like whack-a-mole and anybody that gets organized past that. But if the masses are kept just suppressed with propaganda and discouragement and a false view of reality, it's enough for us to be able to look at teachers and be very disappointed and go, oh, fuck, why isn't there more of a movement there? Well, and, and to me, it's, it's a lot like this, right? So, so for me, it's, it's, hey, you know, you could make more money instantly if you spoke out against in Arizona um, I think like the mandated uh, Arizona retirement system takes like 11% of your paycheck, right? Mm. So you're like, that's for retirement. And you're like, you don't even get to choose, right? It's, it's mandatory. So I'm like, hey, that's quite a bit of money. <laughs> you know, um, what, if, what if we could get you more money by giving you the choice, right? You, you can have the choice to have your money go into a state-funded retirement account. Now, hold on, hold on. I'm trying to think. You say mandatory. I'm like, is there a way to opt out? Can you have some, like, religious, like, I don't plan on retiring. I am going to ritualistically commit suicide at age 60, so please <laughs> give me all my money now. Now you no longer no, have I, don't think there is. I will not be in your retirement pool. You don't even have to give me... I. You can. And if I'm wrong, if something changes, you just cut me out of the system. But it is my religious objection to investing in retirement because I am going to ritual. You get my point. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah no, but it's 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 a substantial amount, and it's it's every government employee in the state of Arizona, and you know they're always advocating for making all this extra. Like they need to they need pay raises, they need this, and I'm like, well, you don't even have the choice where over ten like ten percent of your money goes right into the state's retirement accounts, which I'm sure is conflated with some interest rate that they make money off of that goes somewhere else that who knows what the hell's going on here. And I'm like, well, what if you had the choice, whether you, you got to get that money or put it in a 401k or put it into crypto or do something else with it that would actually benefit you? Because now yeah. you got to wait till you're 58, 60, 65, whatever the hell's going on now to, and you know, and like, I get it. Dealing with kids these days is an absolute abhorrent nightmare. Okay. I get it. Kids, kids are jerks nowadays. I mean, they're jerks when I was a kid too, but they're bigger jerks now. Um, and I only know this because I just had my teenage, my sixteen-year-old son out here for like six weeks, and he's a jerk. Okay, so, <laughs> um, but I'm like, wow, what the heck is going on, you know? And like, now then I start thinking, I'm like, well, how how can we make a teacher's life better? But then I go to think, I'm like, well, how do I spread this message? Okay, well, I can talk on podcasts. Uh, I can go talk to the five or 10 people I meet at freaking libertarian events around here in the state of Arizona. I'm like, or I have access to millions upon billions of people on Twitter and Facebook, right? How else, how else can I, you know, but then I say something like that and they're like, and you're shadow banned. And I'm like, what's so crazy about wanting to give teachers more money by letting them have the option? 
what's wrong with having an option? What's wrong with choice? See, at some point, I think I think uh, if I could create a central plan for social media for the freedom movement, I would say let's everybody get on Odyssey. If it's if it's what I hope it is. By the way, we're going to be having an interview with one of the uh, one of the co-founders, right, Joey? Later this week of Odyssey. Um, next week, but but then. Is that ready? Is that what? But we could have everybody go to one of these other platforms, and then have like the what would be rating parties to go oh. back to Facebook and and get people to come off. Like, like we, you know what I mean? You would we would we would go in and post memes, knowing that they're going to be taken down. Yeah, and we would design like spam programs to spam Facebook That's what with, I think with to, to get right? to get get them off. And we wouldn't engage. We wouldn't pretend. That, that, that that's like we're talking to people like it's it's like if we if we using the matrix metaphor we're talking to people in their matrix pods when you're when someone is in the matrix pod you don't argue with them about how pink the goo is you get them out of the matrix pod right and that our only engagement if we had a place such a virtual pirate republic that we could invite them to so to speak you know we we could have targeted rating parties where you go into Facebook and it's just for the purpose of getting people off Facebook onto the better platform. Um, I think we'll get to that. But for now, we do have to cover some some uh, headlines, including patients, patient patients, shot gunshot patients. Uh, oh, yeah, CBS News at Yahoo.com. It's in the producers club right now. Pentagon on lockdown after nearby shooting event, police say. It's not a shooting. Shooting event. A shooting event. This is like a, already George Carlin. Tuesday, you know, like Tuesday, they used to call it shell shock. Then it was whatever, whatever, whatever. And then it was post-traumatic stress disorder. Four words, way too many syllables. Another way for them to obfuscate reality and avoid the truth. Right, and you go wait a second. It is mm, nah, yeah. Language evolves, and when you insert bullshit, it becomes more full of shit. The Pentagon was placed on lockdown Tuesday after a shooting event occurred near the building's Metro Transit Center. Police said the Pentagon Force Protection Agency asked members of the public to avoid the area, and the Arlington County Fire Department said on Twitter, its units are quote responding to a reported active violence incident near the Pentagon's Metro stop. Arlington County first responders encountered, encountered multiple patients, the fire department said. Already this is fucked. This is, this is weird. It is. It is. And, and, and being from the area, I have a lot of people in my network from there um, who are freaking out right now. So I don't know what's going on. Uh, but, you know, friends of mine that live in the area are all posting on social media, stay inside, shit's crazy. Yeah, so that's, uh, it's not just Pentagon lockdown, they're advising everybody basically in D.C. Metro for the moment, uh, stay frosty. So if you're in the D.C. Metro area, get off this broadcast, go <laughs> yeah. look at local news, go figure out what's actually going on with this. While we look at how CBS National is in, in the Pentagon in talking about this is already using some really fucked up Orwellian language to describe yeah. this. You know, I, I was, you know, I was stationed at the Pentagon for five years. So 
like, I mean, I think we had a conversation about that, but yeah. So, um, that's a very, I mean, it's a very busy place almost all the time, except for, you know, night, night shift, but there's, there's constantly people. I mean, there's a Metro stop right there. Yeah. So right after I tell people to leave our feed, um, it's just at the Metro stop and it's already over. Uh, yeah, I just sent you the link. Oh, great. All right. Uh, <laughs> so they just want to scare people with ambiguity. Well, we're not, we're not, uh, we're not journalists, Adam. And, and neither. You wouldn't understand. You're not a journalist. <laughs> I mean, and neither are most journalists nowadays. So whatever. It's... The Metro is still closed. Metro still yeah. closed. All right. Interesting. Multiple people needed assistance. The Arlington County Fire Department said information wasn't immediately released on whether they were shot or on the extent of their injuries. I mean, did they? The police, does it say if they caught the guy or they know what they were shot with or like? Said, uh, the scene of the so the Pentagon Force Protection Agency said, "quote The scene of the incident is secure. It is still an active crime scene." Okay. So yeah, they freaked everybody out for uh, it's it a is dozen busy. gunshots. So so shootings on the metro, it's I mean it uh, happened. It could like, just like, happen to be at the Pentagon. It's really not it necessarily just, a pen. And if it's at the metro at the Pentagon, it's not really at the Pentagon. It's next to the Pentagon. Big difference. Perfect example of how the mainstream media will instantly jump on something that's panic worthy. Like that's this is abusive. This is this is psychologically abusive. Yeah, I, I, that's that's a bigger trend I want to point out here, Joey. Is how, like how long are we going to put up with this from police? And, and this goes back to you know. And if you didn't see it yesterday, please go back and and watch the interview with uh, Dr. Kate Dixon uh, about the shooting in Arvada, Colorado, uh, with Johnny Hurley and the lack of transparency there. It's like we have the footage, we can't release it yet. What? And and it's like no, I I want everybody to to be a part of this effort in Colorado. We are changecolorado.com or t.me slash we are change Colorado on Telegram. Find one of those, plug in, join, make some phone calls, send some emails, because this is an even more offensive case. And it it, it I want the connection I want to make is that once society came to tolerate the police state the way that it has and its ability to evade accountability, it's natural then to expect a police chief or an official who's talking to the media in a situation like this will, even though they know what's happening, will give deliberately vague statements. And the effect is, it's I, Joey. It's not intentional. It's 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 unintentional, kind of gaslighting, it's stress. Once you recognize it, and there's no way they don't recognize it. So once it's known, no, 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 no. So no, no, no. It's intentional then on, on on the part of the behalf of the people who are maintaining this system if they know. A congressman who does nothing about this, who's aware of this, is intentional. The the individual officers involved here, it's not intentional on their part. And, and, and even the police chiefs and the PR officers involved, it's not intentional on their part. They're just like, hey, I could say something meaningless and vague and not lose my job. In fact, I'm more likely to lose my job if I, if I, if I try to be accurate and get it wrong or just release information. There's no consequence for yeah. releasing vague information, but there is for releasing 
vague or, or wrong. So anyway, so wait, there's a I lot of shit going on. Fire in a crowded theater without there being a, a a maybe there is a fire maybe maybe somebody lit their lighter okay and i yell fire in an extreme way in an open theater i would get charged with inciting a riot even though i didn't lie because there was fire somebody lit a lighter right not not dangerous fire right. the media is screaming fire when somebody lights a lighter that's what's going on so why are they not accountable but the average citizen would be? so so joey I almost didn't even break for this story because my general policy on a lot of these shootings is I'm not going to cover it. I'm not going to cover it. It's going to be bullshit. It's going to be bullshit. It, it reinforces the government narrative of control and it reinforces shooting itself because you're glorifying it. Right. So we're not going to get into this one anymore. Like if I see it, I go, it's not something of now. I'd rather cover a story analyzing trends in shootings than the latest shooting. How, and think about this. This is the difference between Anna versus the man and the mainstream media 24-hour bullshit cycle is they will see, oh, another shooting, got to cover this. Oh, who was it? Who? How many people were shot? Oh, let's. they gave us vague information. Let's cover it every 15 minutes until we get the more precise information and keep you on edge. Fuck that. Yeah. I'm not going to play that game, but I will cover a story once a month even. If I see a good story, that's analyzing trends and shootings. I will cover the individual cases after we've gotten past that hype phase. You know, this one came out, it's breaking, it's at the Pentagon. All right, let's look at it. Oh, guess what? Disappointed again. More, and it's, 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 it's hype. And it's, it is, Joey, I think, to the people who keep it going in the media, it is, it is a deliberate form of psychological abuse of their audiences keep them hooked just like facebook they want you angry keep you hooked they want to give you in your feed stuff that emotionally manipulates you to keep you hooked on facebook that's one of the real dangerous things okay so a couple other quick headlines here like i said daily star we're going to get to this uh u.s air force developing remote controlled bird-like micro drones with flapping wings that means darpa and the cia have had stuff better than this for years. Their elite research lab is working with designers from Arion Health LLC to prototype a remote-controlled mini air vehicle that can imitate either insect or bird flight. The U.S. Air Force says it's developing micro-drones that can flap their wings and change wing beat mid-flight. God, is it scarier than Terminators? I don't like this. He's in here. Right now we have one. Yeah, there's a there's a drone in the studio right now. I, I earlier. I mean, I kind of want one. Like, you know, whatever the government has, I should have, right? So I should have a fly drone. So right now we're kind of fighting over internet freedom. Uh, I predict the next big fight with government in that sense is going to be over drone freedom, because this technology, unlike uh, a lot of others. Uh, just follow, well, following the natural curve of technological development is being distributed faster than ever before this. Quick Adam sidebar on the historical context, right? The automobile was invented. How long did it take for the automobile to be an ubiquitous part of human life, saturated markets all over the world? Decades, right? Maybe half a century. Cell phones. How long did it take the flip phone the dumb phone to get out all over the world. A few years, right? 
How long did it take the smartphone to displace the dumb phone? Once all of those distribution channels were there already, months, practically overnight by comparison. Go back in time one step. Sorry, I usually start with the with the book rather than the automobile. The printing press. What was it 1500s? The okay. Gutenberg printing press. We had the ability to make books. How long did it take for books to get out and be an ubiquitous part of the human experience? Hundreds of years, right? How long is it going to take spy drones to get out? In a sense, they already have. You can now go online, spend $500. Jim, Jim would know more about this as he is a Mavic 2 Pro pilot himself. He's done some great aerial footage here in Gardenia. You can go out with that drone and go spy on anybody within a, a pretty good tactical range with that drone. Next thing you know, you're going to have a camera that will be able to do that from so high up that they don't know they're being spied on or a drone so small that it looks like a bug and people won't know that they're being spied on. This technology is here, just a matter of time in deployment, right? All right, two more uh, COVID headlines we didn't get to. First, from the Associated Press, we have to thank Lindsey Graham for being a great test subject on the failure of vaccines at the highest profile level possible outside of the White House where they've, they've already, wait, they already did that. They already showed that vaccines don't work. Excuse me. But this headline from the Associated Press, Graham, first unvaccinated senator to test positive. Or excuse me, first, did I say unvaccinated? First vaccinated, vaccinated senator to test positive for COVID-19. Yeah. Oh, no. Senator Lindsey Graham, uh, and I, I wouldn't play even the world's smallest violin for this statist asshole. Senator Lindsey Graham has become the first senator to disclose a breakthrough infection after being vaccinated against the coronavirus, saying Monday he is very glad he received the vaccine, without which his current symptoms would be far worse. Because science, right? Ah, yeah. Next up from Metro, metro.co.uk. People recovering from COVID may have substantial drop in intelligence. And I just want, this is between January and December of last year, scientists conducted the Great British Intelligence Test that examined the IQ of 81,337 people. Among that number were 13,000 who had been infected with the virus. Once the scientists factored out things like age, sex, language, and education level, they found that people recovering from COVID saw the biggest decline. Tasks requiring problem solving, planning, and reasoning were harder than for people who hadn't had the virus. Now, this is pretty scary as a potential side effect, but pretty easily dispelled as more nonsense fear-mongering when you go, well, who were those 13,000 patients? Oh, they control, we trust that they controlled for these things? Who was it that tested positive? Who was it that had symptoms? Overweight, immunocompromised, and elderly people. And with a lot of the things that, that this represents as an aggravator, I will say yes. It is a possible, legitimate, scientific phenomenon that COVID lowers your IQ on average, on the whole, what have you. And you go, well, did you do the same test for the flu? Did you, did you go and look at the scary flu virus and see people who have the bad flu? If they're elderly, did, did it coincide with onset of dementia? 
Did it coincide with Alzheimer's? Did the aggravating factors of, of uh, a viral infection simply accelerate something that we knew was already there and already happening? This is definitely exaggerated COVID fear mongering. And I hope that people understand that analysis enough to dispel this if it's, if it's brought to you as the reason you have to be afraid of the Delta variant now. So uh, a couple other headlines to skip through. I want to get, well, you know what? Fuck it. I don't think there's anything in our uh, in, in our in the rest of our headlines we can't come back to tomorrow. So I want to go ahead and take the last few minutes we have here to get into this America's credit system. So thehill.com coming soon. America's own social credit system by my friend Kristen Tate. The new domestic war on terror kicked off. By the riot on January 6th has prompted several web giants to unveil predecessors to what effectively could become a soft social credit system by the end of this decade. Relying on an indirect hand from DC, our social betters in corporate America will attempt to force the most profound changes our society has seen during the internet era. Now, I would point out, we already have a very soft, form of social credit system in America. Uh, if you are on Facebook and you say something that the fact checker checkers or censors don't like and you get a 30-day ban, that means your voice in the conversation is stifled. The consequence of the social credit system is mere censorship of your social media posts. Relatively mild as far as things go. But it's basically comply or you don't get to talk. Am I going too far with that, Steve? No, I mean, so we have to look at precursors, right? And, and there's historical precedence that supports the notion that these soft ideologies like fact checkers or independent thought reviewers is what I'm going to call them from now on um, are, are a way to silence um, or stifle uh, people who would offer an objective opinion, right? Um, the, the easiest thing to look at right now is coronavirus. There's science that shows uh, the vaccines or the shots or whatever, you, the therapeutics, whatever you want to call them, have some benefit. There's also science that shows they're kind of dangerous. There's science that shows a lot of people recover from coronavirus. There's also science that shows some people don't, Okay. Um, but now it seems like, well, if you're in the camp that is on the, the side of uh, objective science that, that says, like, the, the shots are dangerous, you're silenced. Yeah. But they are dangerous. It's, so, scientific, it's scientifically proven. So I, I want to get back to the social credit system and, and, and how it's creeping in the United States without getting distracted by how they're using COVID yeah. right now to push all of this. Because that, that is critical to it. But uh, Kristen compares this to China's actual in-place social credit system. And remember, when this was creeping up in China, libertarians in the U.S. were going, this is crazy. This is scary. This is going to become a social credit system in China. And American statists, uh, apologists government apologists would say, oh, no, that's never going to really materialize in China. It can't get that bad. Well, now it's here. 
And now we're saying the same thing about the United States. And, I, and I'm yeah. not going to say it's inevitable because I think we can be better than this. But let's acknowledge where we are right now. So when Kristen compares the China system, she says that this can restrict your ability to take actions. And that's where it's important, right? And already the action in the United States is you don't get to talk. You're suspended. On you, it's me. I've got the consequence on Facebook and on YouTube. You don't get to talk for now. At least you get your time out, right? So, but it says, such as purchasing plane tickets, acquiring property, or taking loans because of behaviors. That's China's system. Well, I couldn't get on Facebook Marketplace. I had to use someone else's account when I wanted to buy my last vehicle out here. And I wanted, I want to buy a used pickup truck. I couldn't access Facebook Marketplace. If I wasn't Facebook handy, clever, even as a sort of non-user, and had other people around me who could go, oh, well, let me give you my password and I'll change it like this, and at least you can use it to browse. But then I had to message from their account to get in touch with the guy. I, and I actually bought my truck from from a guy who had listed it on, on Facebook Marketplace and nowhere else. I was like, fuck. My ability to buy a vehicle now is hampered is limited i have to jump through these extra hoops my time is compromised in order to navigate the system um and i, and I wonder that, that 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 facebook marketplace thing is is just one dynamic of that where you're you, you, well adam you're not really limited it's just their marketplace it's a private business it's their thing of course well i'm limited in their system so it's a fuck system so i don't want to support it i don't want to have anything to do with it i want to actively work against this now so we have a chance to fight this but Playing tickets, buying property, getting loans. Maybe it's not, oh, you're not actually barred from those things, just on Facebook. Well, well what if it's a company that just does business on Facebook next? What if, what if for me to get a VA home loan, to get what I've earned as a veteran through my combat experience and service to this country, maybe I'm, I'm cut out of that because now that company that does VA home loans, which I'm actually working with right now, I'm trying to buy property to use for home front battle buddies. What if they cut me out because I said something that Facebook didn't like? So we're already there. Last, in, in this in this sort of soft way, last week, but you know, at, at what point that, of, of PayPal getting, or of Facebook getting government privileges and, and money and kickbacks and corporate benefits, is that now a government policy? Last week, PayPal announced a partnership with the left wing Southern Poverty Law Center to investigate the role of white supremacists and propagators of anti-government rhetoric. And it's like those are the opposite things that really the, the, the lumping of those things together right away. It kind of triggers me because it's like I'm anti-government because I'm anti-racism. But if you're anti-government, we're going to lump you in with racists who have always sought to use government to institutionalize racism. Yeah. OK. Uh, I, the use of that is crazy. But the uh, PayPal says collected information will be shared with other financial firms and politicians. Facebook is taking similar measures, introducing messages that ask users to snitch on their extremist friends. We've seen that. We've covered that. Facebook and Microsoft are working with several other web giants and the UN on a database to block potential extremist content. So if there is a line who draws it, as Kristen asks, will the distinction between mundane politics and an extreme and extremism be an I'll know it when I see it scenario, as former Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart described obscenity? If so, will there be individuals able to unilaterally remove 
people's effective ability to, to use the internet itself. Could a Facebook employee equate Ben Shapiro with David Duke and remove his account? So all the more reason we have to fight this and build the alternatives now. And I'm, I'm hopeful, if not confident yet, in Odyssey as a meaningful alternative. Um, so the implications are that you know, if you're blocked from Facebook, Twitter, Gmail, Uber, Amazon, PayPal, Venmo, other financial transaction systems, can you can you function in society? Some banking platforms already have announced a ban on certain legal purchases, such as firearms, cannabis, who knows what else will fall into that category. There's a lot of banks that have banned your ability to buy crypto. Yeah, crypto even. So they are building this in the United States. This is the threat. Mm-hmm. Um, when does your, as, as Kristen asks, when does your debit card get canceled over old tweets? Your home loan denied for homeschooling your kids or your eBay account invalidated because a friend flagged you for posting a Gadsden flag. What scares me about this is not people like you and me necessarily being censored, but that the average mainstream American now is going to be scared out of having any kind of questioning dialogue at all. Yeah. So as she concludes, until and unless there is an organized pushback, our future could track with those of increasingly illiberal societies. Just last week, the the British government announced its own version of a health social credit system. China's system was announced only seven years ago, considering the growth of algorithms and dependence on tech giants. The ability to track, censor, and eventually punish ordinary citizens will be mind-boggling by 2030. America's descent into a 21st century gilded age directed by tech titans isn't an inevitability. However, do you know anyone who would take a 5% Amazon coupon in exchange for a call to action or someone who would replace their Facebook profile picture to avoid being locked out. Peer pressure, trendy movements, and the ability to comply with the new system with the click of a mouse combine all of the worst elements of dopamine chasing Americans as it grows in breadth and power. What may be most surprising about our new social credit system won't be collective fear of it, but rather how quickly most people will fall in line. Kristen Tate, I'm killing my voice to get your words out there. Kristen Tate is a libertarian writer and an analyst for Young Americans for Liberty. She is an author whose latest book is How Do I Tax Thee? A Field Guide to the Great American Ripoff. Uh, Steve, your final thoughts today. <sighs> That's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, yeah. You know, to, to look at social credit systems, if, if, you can, if you're going to look at China, look at Hong Kong, look at Taiwan, look at what happened, look at how many people supported what China did there. Look at how many people sit here in the United States and are perfectly okay with someone like Ross Ulbright serving two life sentences for trying to get us around a regulatory government. So free Ross. Live well, live free, be a conscious consumer of information as well as everything else in your life. And with that, Jim, give us the producer notes. What's going on? Hope you enjoyed the show, everybody. Let's get these done. 
Uh, T.me forward slash Adam versus the man's public telegram channel. Patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man is the Patreon link. At the Garden of Freedom is the Instagram handle. Homefrontbattlebuddies.com is the theft deductible website. The Crypto6.com has Mr. Nobody waiting on you to write him a letter. And GoGreenEnergyOnline.com. Do it yourself. Get educated on solar powers, solar panels and shit. And it was on this day in history, according to GoodNewsNetwork.org, in 1960 that niger gained independence from france the doors started a two-week run at number one on the u.s singles chart with hello i love you on this day 1968 and perhaps more importantly 85 years ago today jesse owens shocked adolf hitler and the nazis hosting the berlin olympics by winning the 100 meter dash and answering with uh just a new standard that has been forgotten for political activism at the Olympics. We'll have more on that tomorrow. Peace and love y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other.